more thick to the left Penetrating like Mike 360 degrees in the air like Dominique Mike Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to Shooting the Shot. My name is Mark Cheel, and alongside me, of course, as always, is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, how's it going? Robin, what's up? Yeah, yeah. On today's episode, we're going to be talking Tim Duncan's retirement, James Harden gets extended, Wade bolts to the Bulls, and we're going to talk about what team, if any, poses a threat to the Golden State Warriors this offseason. So, gentlemen, let's get right into it and talk about Tim Duncan. 19 seasons, called it quits on Monday, uh, a little bit less flashier than Kobe. Um, a lot of Twitter chatter going on about uh, just showering love for this man. Uh, you know, Shaq called him one of the best power forwards, or excuse me, the best power forward of all time. Uh, gentlemen, let's talk about your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously me, the resident Spurs fan. Yeah, it hurt that uh, Tim Duncan's finally gone. I can't believe I'll be watching a Spurs team without Tim Duncan for the first time in 19 years. But uh, hell of a career. I mean, it's been said. It continues to be said. Uh, Popovich, Greg Popovich, had his, made his comments today. Naturally, Tim Duncan didn't have a press conference, so uh, Greg Popovich had to hold it down for him. And, you know, he was nearly teary-eyed, losing, uh, you know, one of his favorite players, the guy he was with his whole career. Uh, you know, I mean, Tim Duncan did it all. Five rings, two MVPs, three finals MVP. He made the playoffs in all 19 seasons. That's, that's quite the feat right there. Uh, you know, he really put the San Antonio Spurs on the map. You know, they, they were a great, they were a good franchise, but he, he made them to elite. Uh, Greg Popovich himself said he made me. If it wasn't for him, he'd be some some fat guy trying to coach some, like, lower-level team. Uh, there, there's, I mean, there's so much we could say about Tim Duncan, but I agree with Shaq. He's definitely the greatest power forward of all time, one of the best players to ever play the game. And what I loved about him was just his character, a very nonchalant, low-key guy, couldn't dress very well. Didn't care for it, obviously, and always about the team, never about himself, never pumping his chest, never uh, trash-talking, just playing the game, and he played it so well. The big fundamental he was definitely, you know, he mastered that shot off the glass. Um, he'll be missed, um, but I think he'll be lauded forever in the annals of the NBA. He will, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, no question about it. Um, I just love the way he carried himself. There's no farewell tour a la Kobe, uh, even the way he announced his retirement. Just, yeah, I'm done. No press conference, nothing. Uh, it's just he's just a classy person all around. I've spoken to him a few times when I was working um, within the NBA there, and just a really, sh a really humble kind of guy. So I mean, I'm sad to see him go, but I'm also glad. You know, such a great career, and it's great to look back on it. Um, so I got nothing but love for Tim Duncan, and I'm sure you guys will echo my sentiments. I agree with Robin. He's one of my all-time favorite players. He didn't get a lot of love before this week. Because he played in a smaller market, he was a quiet guy. But I've coached basketball since I've been in high school, um, elementary teams, and I always tell the bigs to watch Tim Duncan. His game, the Big Fundamental, was just great for kids to watch and learn from. And like Robin was saying, he was always great with me in the locker room for a quote or even a conversation. But just a really smart man who you can tell loved his time at Wake Forest. Uh, for four years into his senior year. So 
I don't have much more to add to that. Anything you want to add there, Mark? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what's funny is I look back when I was younger and I hated the Spurs. I thought they were a boring team. And as a kid, you wanted that flash. And sort of you sort of gravitated towards, you know, the flashier players and, and like the Allen Iversons and things like that. But as I got older uh, and I sort of understood the NBA more, uh, the Spurs became one of my favorite teams solely because of how consistent Tim Duncan was, the big fundamental. Um, and I don't think that we will ever see a player like Tim Duncan, exactly like Robin said, the way he carried himself off the court, the way he played on the court. We will never see someone that will put up, you know, double doubles consistently like he did every year for 19 years. Uh, go to work every day, sort of that hard hat on, lunch pail in the hand type of player. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's it's hard because you know you you come to appreciate Tim Duncan's game and and you just don't know uh, if you'll ever see it again. But uh, yeah, he went out quietly and. And, uh, yeah, I wish him the, the best of his retirement. I hope he never has to think about work ever again. I'm sure he doesn't. And I just want to add this one little tidbit and a, and a simple did you know um, that uh, Tim Duncan, as uh, Ryan alluded to, he spent his four years at Wake Forest. He actually graduated um, from psychology. And he actually wrote a chapter of a book of one of his professors. The chapter was called, and I quote, Blowhard, snobs, and narcissists, interpersonal reactions to excessive egotism. And Timothy Duncan is one of the three authors on this chapter. Um, so I read fitting. a bit. Of, I read more, a bit of the chapter, and it's uh, it's impressive work. It really is. Uh, he's, he's a more a lot smarter than you might think because he's so quiet. Um, but it was pretty impressive. I didn't read all of it actually. I read a little bit, and just a, just a little impressive. Did you know? Because I didn't know this when I read it the other day. That he actually wrote a chapter in, in, a, in a published book on psychology. So uh, you know, if there wasn't enough to praise the man for here, here's something else. <laughs> so, hey, Robin, I have a question we... for you. Oh, ahead, sorry, Mark. sorry, I have a question for you. Yes. Now, this is a two-part question. In your opinion, sure. Do you think that Tim Duncan would ever do? analysis or tv because i think analysis wise he'd be very good but i just think his personality he probably wouldn't gravitate towards something like that no he will not no what no, do you think I, he'd be doing do you think he's just going to fade into the background like well, get, like on his ranch well i mean he could go the david robinson route kind of be connected to the team but not yeah uh, i read greg popovich is trying to rope him in somehow into the organization in some regard um, but that smells completely like to like a David Robinson sort of character yeah. where, yeah, he's around. You might see him at the odd game, but he doesn't really have any sort of ties because he's such a low key kind of guy. I'm sure he's kind of washed his hands with all this and just wants to move on, you know, you know, managing his car shops and his cars and all that. Yeah, that's right. You know, low key guy. And like I said, much respect to him. Hats off to uh, Timmy D. You'll be missed. Before we go on there, Mark, I was watching some summer league this afternoon, kind of bored. And uh, Brent Barry, a former teammate of Tim Duncan, was talking about when they he won a world championship with Tim Duncan. And right before Barry was about to go across the stage, Duncan's like, I dare you a hundred bucks to kiss the commissioner on the cheek. And Barry's like, are you serious? And Duncan's like, yeah. So Brett Barry walks onto the, the stage for the handshake and uh, the ring or whatever it is, plants one on uh, <laughs> David Stern's cheek, and Stern didn't like it. And Barry looks back, and Duncan is howling on the <laughs> And I, I just know from me being in the locker room, he has that 
sense of humor with teammates that he would show. So even though he, he looks to be this very stoic man, he also had a good sense of humor. Yeah, he was a solid individual. Now, gentlemen, we're going to move on to someone a little bit more flashier, and that's James Harden. James Harden signed a four-year extension with the Houston Rockets. I'm going to ask a simple question. Good move or bad move for the Rockets? I think it's a great move. But only question, why would it be a five-year deal? Because I think he had a year or two left. So if he does a four-year deal, it's only actually two years on the deal, maybe three years. So it's good to reward Harden, their only franchise-caliber player. But I I don't know why it wouldn't be a five-year extension. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say the same thing. It's a good deal. James Harden is who he is, one of the better players in this league. Uh, he's flashy, but he scores. He wins games, essentially, for these guys. And uh, I don't know. I didn't see them allowing him to walk or test free agency. What else are you going to lean on right now? So I think that was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, what you guys saying in terms of the fifth and sixth year, yeah, that's definitely questionable. Maybe there's you know some other internal strife or reasons surrounding why they did it now. Um, but I can't fault the movie. He's James Harden. Hey, yeah, Mark? I think- oh, yes. Can can you see anyone besides James Harden win a scoring title this coming season? Ooh, Ooh. Prob- you Keep know what? Keep in yeah, mind, his yeah. new coach is Dan Tony. Keep that in Ru- mind. Probably, yeah, Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah, that's yes, good that's a good, good point. Nice, nice one. So it's either Harden or Westbrook for scoring title, then, right? I think both yeah. are good options. Yeah, because you can't. They, they're not. There's not enough ball to go around in Golden State. But yeah, I think Harden's going to play, or excuse me, Westbrook's going to play with a chip on his shoulder for sure. Yeah, I think that's it. But anyway, back to Harden. I think it's unanimous that this is a good move for the Rockets because I think with this deal, he gets two more years at max money than he would if they let him go to free agency and then re-up for a fourth or fifth year. New max so, money, because he had the old max money before. Exactly. So he has old max money, then this allows him four, or two more years of that, um, which is great for him and great for the organization. I really think that this is, he's the cornerstone of the Houston Rockets. I think there was a tug of war there uh, in the early goings with him and uh, Dwight Howard. But I think now, this is it. This is the guy. Now they have the coach in place who's probably going to get the most out of him, who's not going to hound him on defense because, well, D'Antoni's team doesn't play defense. And they've surrounded him with players who do exactly the same thing. They score. So I think this is a great move for the Rockets organization. Hey, Mark. Hey, yeah. for Robin, too. I, I know everyone rips on Dwight Howard, and he has his issues. But a year ago... Kevin McHale had that team, essentially the same team, with Dwight Howard in the Western Conference Finals. You lose Dwight Howard for nothing, and I I can't help but think that Houston will really flounder because all they really have right now is Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon and James Harden. To me, it's not really a scary lineup. There's a lot of offense. I can't see much of any defense. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not, but that's not D'Antoni's team, right? Like this team's built to score. They're going to be near the bottom of the league. I would probably assume in defense, but on offense, they'll probably be very much near the top. They are going to be on that floor to outscore you. They're not going to defend you, but they will try and outscore you. And they, and for most nights it'll probably succeed. All right. So. Next up is Dwayne Wade, gentlemen. Now, with Dwayne Wade, 
We all know that the wedding is over in Miami. He got grew tired of the business side with Pat Riley. I believe the Heat offered him a two-year at $41 million. He balked at it, and he wanted more. Pat Riley in the, uh, the Heat front office said, no, thank you. And the Chicago Bulls stepped in and said, hey, we'll pay you $47 million. Uh, gentlemen, looking at the Bulls as a whole, uh, what are they doing? Um, I think there's a lot of question marks around this team, especially when it comes to the three-point line. What do you sort of like? How do you feel about this deal? Uh, sort of as a individual move, and as sort of a where does Wade fit in the whole Bulls picture this season? I mean, I don't. I'll step in. I don't like it at all. Um, this is to me like Patrick Ewing finishing his career with the Sonics. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon finishing his career with the Toronto Raptors. You know, he's, it's going to be a horrible year for Dwayne Wade and the Chicago Bulls. Rondo, uh, Rondo, Wade, and Butler are not going to succeed and do anything for that team. I don't see it happening. Like you said, they lack three-point shooting, which is so important now in today's NBA. Um, it's just Wade fading away into the sunset, unfortunately. Um, I understand, you know, that he had his issues with Miami and what have you. But for two or three million more, really, man. Uh, I think Wade staying with the Heat, uh, a healthy Chris Bosh, they retain Whiteside. They still got Dragic. I mean, they're still a threat to me in the East, no question. So I think it's just going to be a slow end to his career. Um, like I said, I understand there was some strength there, but I think you said forty-seven and a half million, and they offered him the, the, the Heat offered him forty million. So we're talking three million dollars here, three million dollars to Dwayne Wade over your career. There, there has to be more to it. It's not money. There's more to this because Dwayne Wade, we know, has made boatloads of cash over his career. Um, again, I don't like the move. I don't like the Chicago Bulls as constituted. I feel sorry for Jimmy Butler because he's a great player on a very poor team uh, that's poorly coached, in my opinion. And, yeah, I just I just don't like the whole thing. And watching Wade in a Bulls jersey is going to be weird and something yeah, I'll be, I have to get accustomed to. But the reality is I don't really intend to watch much Chicago Bulls games, if any, unless they're playing teams I enjoy watching. I'm going <laughs> to... Disagree with a lot of that. I think Miami was smart because they knew what Wade was worth, and if they want to start rebuilding and moving in a different direction, Wade, as good as he was in the playoffs, he's not going to let those young guys develop. And even Goran Dragic didn't play his best because Wade needs the ball in his hands a lot. So I get why Pat Riley is like, yeah, no thanks. This is the most we'll spend. Take it or leave it. I get Chicago. They just traded Derrick Rose, who was a hometown kid. The fans love Derrick Rose, even with his injuries. And they traded him to the Knicks. And now they're bringing back a hometown kid with three championships, a finals MVP. It's a flashy signing that if you put Rondo and Wade and <coughs> excuse me Butler together, you have three guys who have enough experience that it should work. And you mentioned the three-point shooting. Dougie McBuckets, Dougie McDermott, is a nice three-point shooter. You got Nikola Mirtich, is a nice uh, floor spacer. And Jimmy Butler isn't a horrible outside shooter. So I think the Bulls will be okay. I just don't get what Dwayne Wade's thinking. That's the one thing in here I'm not sure of, in that you're Mr. Miami. Um, you're bigger than... Dan Marino and, and Coach Shula and 
the reality is 41 million with the Bulls against 47 million with Miami with a state income tax. He'll be taking less money home playing for Chicago for 41 than he would be for 47 million than he would be in Miami for 41. So I don't get that. I don't get Wade's thinking at all in this process. All right. Well, I think I can answer your question. I think it has a lot to do with pride. Uh, I think that for the most part, when LeBron left the Heat, I believe Chris Bosh was up as well, and they threw him a five-year $118 million. And when it was Dwayne Wade's turn, they he sort of felt slighted the first time. And then the second time, this time around, obviously being the second time, and I think he had enough. I said, he said, look, I got you guys a championship three times. I was a big part of that team. I want to get mine. And I think what Pat Riley did, and I agree with you, Ryan, I think he looked over at the Lakers and saw what Kobe was doing to them and their young development and said, nope, I want no part of that because he has an aging star as well who's demanding top dollar. And it totally ran a risk of developing the young guys, just like you said, Ryan. So I think that this was bound to happen. I think that Pat Riley completely planned this. He gave him fair market value, if not better than fair market value for a guy that has glass knees. And I think pride got in the way. And I really think this worked out well for the Heat. I think it clears up a lot of room. And I think that they can go and and now develop the guys that they want and bring in the players they want without having you know, this aging all-star, aging superstar who's not going to be the same. He's not going to be flashy. He hasn't been flash in years handcuffing them financially so i think that for both sides it's good i think that Dwayne way gets a uh you know a a sort of clean slate i think the heat now get to go in their own direction i just i tend to agree with you guys when you know you say you don't know sort of what Dwayne was uh, wayne was excuse me Dwayne wade was thinking i think a lot of it has to do with pride but at the same time i look at this team the Bulls, and I say, man, like, what is this team going to do? Like, they really can't defend other than, well, Jimmy Butler. They really can't shoot they got the three. Robin Lopez, who's a good post defender. Yeah, but, I mean, Ryan, like, he's another guy. Like, like <laughs> I mean, he's not no a stall. There are defenders. You got Taj Gibson, you got um, Butler, and you have Lopez. So those are three solid defenders. So you can't say they have no defenders. They're not going to be like, stand out defensively because you still you you that means who's gonna hide wade and rondo you can't bench those guys on d right you can't those guys are still a part like they're going to be playing premium positions against point guards who run and dominate the league offensively they're going to get torched night in and night out and then if you try and move jimmy butler on there that's a mismatch anyway he's probably going to be slower than most of those point guards so the the team doesn't make sense it's built like an old school basketball team you can't do that anymore. It's the new NBA. You can't do that. They're going to be getting torched in a night in and night out by premium point guards and guards in general. And then what ends up happening is that now you're playing a lot of these teams who have the stretch bigs who will drag these bigger defenders like Lopez out under the perimeter, which then will expose them. This team is not going to be good next year. They're not going to be good. Rondo can get as many assists as he wants. It's not going to be a good team. So because they just they're not adapting to the new NBA. There's not a new NBA team. So I don't think it's a good move. Well, I, don't, I just don't think that this is going to work out for the Bulls in the long run. And I see Jimmy Butler getting pretty frustrated and possibly asking out sooner than later. 
Here, here's in my opinion before you go on what happened with the Bulls. They got lost because they had it pretty good for the last, I don't know how many years, between, you know, uh, Derek Rose and Joe. 10, 12 years. Let's say that. Okay, between Derek Rose and Joakim Noah, right? They've been blessed. They've had a great team, great coaching, whatever. They've been trying, they tried to make this transition. Obviously, the coach went down first, and now you got Derek Rose, whatever. And they're trying to give it a band aid sort of fix. Like, how can we do this as quick as we can, as opposed to pressing the button, blowing it up, and restarting? They decide. Oh, look, we you know Rondo. He's had some. He has some championship. Wade, hometown boy. Yeah, that'll put some asses in some seats and stuff like that. But you, I don't think the quick fix works here. They're gonna have to press the reset button, and you let the guys like you know McDermott and all those guys develop and continue to get better and bring in other players. I don't. Chicago, you know, obviously they're a huge market in the United States. I understand that, but it's not going to work for them. It's going to be a rough year for them. I agree with everything Mark said. And that, Mark, I really like what you said about, you know, the way the NBA is now. We got these stretch fours and fives. We're going like, to let's take it for example, Kristaps Porzingis. When he goes up against Robin Lopez and Taj Gibson, he'll torch those guys. He will torch those guys. And he's just one of several guys because that's the new way in the NBA right now where all big guys are all 18-foot jumpers now. They can hit the three and all this. Chris Bosh will torch the Taj Gibson and these guys. So um, I just think Chicago's going about this the wrong way. I understand it's business, but I think in the long run, they're going to suffer as opposed to hitting that reset button. Can we all agree on something? Can we say that Dwayne Wade probably should have went to the Cavs? Yes. Right? Yeah. But they had, like, no, money. They had no money, so it's kind of a, a mute point. Right. He would have gone like, like super he cheap, like Vets sure. minimum. But, but, if he would have taken the, the hit, like, yeah, I'll take the $3 million, whatever, veterans minimum, and just say, yo, me and you can join up again and probably win the championship again, I think that would have been a, great, a much, much better story. Right? Yeah. I feel like like the, he totally messed up. He should have been like, you know what, Heat? Keep your money. I'm going to see you in the playoffs, and I'm going to torch you with LeBron. Yeah, he completely like, capitulated himself, in my opinion. With yeah, it. I think I think that he should have probably waited it out, had LeBron sign, and then LeBron probably would have came to him if he was sort of still on the market and said, look, let's make another run of this. And then they would have been serious, serious threats to the Golden State Warriors. Which brings me to my next topic. Gentlemen, Golden State Warriors have a crazy, crazy, crazy team. They lost some of their depth on the back end, which we'll get into. But right now, their starters, as it looks, is Curry, Durant, Thompson, Green. And I guess you could throw in, are we going to say that? Zaza Pachulia? Yeah. Uh, you got to do a big. Who, you got to do a got big, it. right? Got so it. is it going to be Pachulia or is it go- David West? No, West it's be Pachulia. It's going to be Pachulia. Okay. Looking at the landscape and sort of how all the chips are falling, the NBA free agency, who poses a threat to the Golden State Warriors? There's a bunch of teams. And I need to say that if I were a gambling man, I put my money on the Warriors winning it all next season. Even if injuries happen, they have a stacked team. But you look at the one spot where they're weak. They have great guard play. They have a great wing in Durant. Uh Draymond Green is an all-star. They have some great guards coming off the bench and Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala. Like, they're great. But Draymond Green is an undersized four. And Zaza Pachulia is a fringe starter. So when you got an undersized four and a fringe starting five, look at teams around the league that would match up favorably against that. 
I think that the Clippers with DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, that could cause them some problems. The only thing is, can the Clippers D up enough to stop the Warriors on offense? And I think the uh, San Antonio Spurs, if they're healthy, if you got Pau Gasol and you have Marcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green for some spacing, that, that's a scary team still. And the Cavs, obviously, even though they haven't done anything big and splashy, they did beat them. So the Cavs are in there. And you will laugh at me, both of you guys. But the Utah Jazz, if they're the seventh or eighth seed and they're nice. playing the Warriors in the first round, because nice. you got Rudy Gobert, you got Derek Favors to play smash mouth old school basketball, you got Gobert protecting the paint against easy buckets, and they got some scrappy young guys. They got in uh, Hayward and Dante Exum, but you also have some Spears now, and Joe Johnson and George Hill, and I think the guy from the Spurs, Boris Diaw. So mm-hmm. I know the Utah Jazz are a huge sleeper, but just the way they match up, I, I wouldn't want to play Utah in the first round if I'm Golden State. So there's a couple teams. Anyone you want to add to that, Robin? No, I mean, you named them all for me. I, I was actually going to say Utah myself. You stole it, but that's awesome. I love how you brought that up. Uh, and I like you say about the Clippers, too. That size is, uh, is tough to match up against, but... Like you said, too, I don't know if they can D those guys. And obviously, yeah, of course, I'm a Spurs fan. But those Spurs are definitely still a hell of a dangerous team. Um, no, I mean, you've covered all. And obviously, Cleveland, yeah, because they just beat them. So why couldn't they do it again? Um, obviously, Golden State's going to be ridiculous. They're going to be a scoring machine. I still, like, but like you said, their size is scary to me. The lack of, for that matter. And, and I think their bench took a hit a bit. Yeah, you got Iguodala, you got Livingston. But what else you got? Not much, I think. So I really think they're like, those four guys might end up playing like 40 minutes a game, 35 to 40 minutes a game, you know, and that's where you have to worry about things like wear and tear and injuries and things like that. Those things will happen. Hopefully it doesn't happen at the wrong time. Uh, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying like give them the championship right now. They're a great team, but I, I just don't think it's a given and we could just, you know, yeah, they'll guarantee to win. We, we've seen super teams before. Anybody remember the Lakers when Carl uh, Malone, Gary Payton, Kobe yeah. and Shaq teamed up? Glenn yeah. Rice, I think, was yeah. on that team. They too. went to the final and got blitzed by the Detroit Pistons. I remember that clearly. Um, so there's no guarantees, of obviously, in anything in life. Um, Golden State Warriors look great, but I'm not ready to uh, hail them as the champs right now. Cleveland has, the, has the, the crowns right now, and until they get beaten, uh, you know, I'm not ready to give up on that either. I think I'm going to actually... Uh, expand this list. I actually right. think that the Knicks will give them trouble. <laughs> you laugh, but if healthy, if healthy, if healthy why? Is, why is, the Knicks? Yeah, explain that a little bit for us, buddy. Okay, so power forward will be. I can mellow. see this. I can see this. Yeah, right. He's going to be able to shoot over the slower, smaller green. Right, I'd be able to drag him out more uh, to the line, which I don't think that Green can do that good of a job. He'll get exposed a little bit there. Uh, especially with the more mobile, um, excuse me, mellow. I think that Porzingis is much more athletic than Zaza Pachulia. So that'll get exposed. That'll open up both of them. You know, uh, I, let me just cut in. I'm more athletic than Pachulia. Carry on. Well, exactly. But you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, no, then, I like it. Then you have sort of an elite uh, point guard of healthy and Rose oh, yeah. who can move the ball and who can act, who get into the lane. And just like someone who gave them trouble in the playoffs, Russell Westbrook to a degree, I, I think that the Knicks, if healthy, Noah can also uh, bang boards and wear them down because we saw that. That's sort of what the Cavs sort of did to them. They went after them. They grinded them down. I think the Knicks can do that. 
I think they have the tools. I think they have the pieces in place. And then they have those sort of three and D guys like uh, Courtney Lee, who can be effective, who will get actually probably left open a lot of the time as, you know, they're trying to help defense against guys like Mello. So I think that the Knicks can do a good job. I think Detroit can do a good job of probably opening up a lot of holes for the Golden State Warriors just because of how quick and big they are. Uh, I mean, Andre um, Drummond is a great example of that. They won't have an answer for Andre Drummond, especially if he learns how to shoot free throws. They're going to keep fouling him, and if he can make half of them, that's a wrap. So I think that you really have to look at the, around the league, and you have to look at the guys that have athletic bigs and fast guards, and I think that that can be sort of the recipe uh, to expose this Golden State Warrior team. This is great because you know what? To the average NBA fan, and I've heard this talk a lot, like I'm not going to – and they say things like, I'm not going to watch next year. Golden State's going to win it. So, you know, any fickle fans out there, listen to what we're talking about. These guys, you know, you guys have just broken it down nice. You know, the Knicks, the Jazz, the Pistons, these are teams that people aren't thinking about. And we're not saying here that these teams are going to, you know, like the Knicks are going to win the East and be in the finals. We're not saying that. We're just saying in general that it's not a rat that Golden State's going to win this. There are teams that actually dethrone these guys and can beat them on a nightly basis. No, they're not going to go 82-0. I don't believe that for a second. And I've heard a lot of that bullshit being thrown around. I'm not buying that. Well, you know what team we didn't even mention who is going to be circling each and every time they play each other? It's going to be the Thunder. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. So you think that Russell Westbrook's going to sit there and be like, ah, it's just another game? No. That guy is going to drop, try and drop 40, 15, and 10. Steven he will try Adams his will hardest to have. in those games for sure. Yeah, definitely. But like, you think those guys, the guys that are still left on that team, don't have a chip on the shirt, don't have a heavy heart? Those guys are going to play their minds out every time that they play the Golden State Warriors. So the teams are out there. It's just sort of you have to look at it at, you know, what teams or sorry, what the holes that Golden State have and what teams have that sort of advantage in those holes. And guys, there's an abundance of teams out there that can expose these guys on any given night. We'll look at Miami when they first had their big three. That first season, there was some growing pains. Even the Cavs, when LeBron went back to them in that first uh, season, that there there was some growing pains there. When you have four All-Stars and two of the top five for sure players, two of the top, uh, four of the top 20 in the NBA, that's a good team. But as someone who's coached for a long time, you're going to have some chemistry issues. Like how do you share the ball enough? How do you make sure that the team can hide their lack of uh, a, a legit starting five in the NBA? How do they hide that Draymond Green's an undersized big as well? There, there's some things that if you're a basketball fan, you can watch this team grow and change and evolve this season, and it makes the regular season, which is way too long to begin with, it makes it fun because you can kind of watch the growing pains of these Warriors and see how they can get to that, hopefully, championship level. Yeah, I just thought of another team, the Blazers. That's another team that can expose them as well. So, yeah, I mean, they're out there if we just think about them. But uh, but yeah, I agree with you guys. I think that uh, that if you actually do look at each team and sort of look at it, yeah, definitely. But anyway, gentlemen, that is a wrap on this episode. I want to thank you both. Uh, we didn't agree all the time, 
but we agreed sometimes, so that's half the battle, I guess. Uh, to all the fans listening, please check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud, and if you have any comments or complaints, we are happy to listen to them. We will take any feedback that you have. We just want to feel the love, and we want to hear what you guys think. So for myself, Ryan, and Robin, thanks for listening. Called up the homies and I'm asking y'all, which part are y'all playing basketball? Get me on the court and I'm troubled. Last week, messed around and got a triple-double. Freaking brothers every way like MJ. I can't believe today was a good day. <laughs>